0: Welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, Podcast 69. I'm your host, Brian Heineser. Joining me this evening, Kimberly, Sean, and Ian. Say hello, folks. Hello, hello. folks. Hello. We'll see how that works. <sighs>
1: you guys can't follow
0: directions. You said hello, folks. Oh, jeez. How is everybody doing? Doing great. All right. Good. Fun
2: week, I actually. Got my um, backyard Halloween display all set up. to so drive by and see it at night. It looks pretty cool. Okay.
0: Excellent. Did you add something to it this year?
2: Added all sorts of things. Um, I picked up these new lights, um, blood dripping lights. They're just like basically they're the icicle lights that they've been selling for Christmas for a couple years now.
0: Right. Except they're, they're like red.
2: Falling. Right. Ooh. And they have a real cool effect where I put them because I have like some banners and skulls around it, and so when they'll when the ones light up, they light up skulls right next to them, and they're actually cool looking.
1: Okay.
0: All right.
1: Very cool. Have to swing by and see that. It's a long drive, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anything else going on? Well, my uh my other podcasts that I do myself with my with my partner. I thought I lost two files from uh like a three hour conversation about the Avengers yesterday. I actually deleted the files but I was able to recover them thanks to a utility. So
0: I gave myself a bad night's sleep but a good morning. We've had issues where we've lost podcasts did we lose a whole podcast or just half of one i think half yeah we had to do some re-recording i remember so it 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 happens to every podcaster in fact you're not officially a podcaster until you've lost an episode well then we were officially a podcaster on the first one because somehow (laughs) the mp3 skype recorder didn't actually record the first podcast there you go see that happens all the time too are you actually recording so yeah kimberly what's up with you
3: What is up with me? Um, I did uh, the day to serve uh, yesterday, I guess it was, uh, on Sunday. And uh, so I actually went into a church. I did not burn up. And I helped decorate bags and drew up some birthday cards for Project Angel Heart. And I did that over at the Waterstone Church as this citywide uh, program they had for volunteers. Oh. And so I did that as part of the Free Thought Exchange. So that was a lot of fun.
0: Oh, that's cool. Well, yesterday was also Blasphemy Day.
3: I didn't find out about that <clears> until afterwards. I was, I was a little bit uh, – I, I didn't celebrate it the way I really did.
0: Well, I, I, I said something crude about Jesus on Facebook.
3: There you go. Kim,
1: Kimberly, that Project Angel Heart, you realize that that's a Mickey Ro- Robert De Niro movie.
3: No, I did not know that. Turns out. There's a movie called Project Angel Heart?
1: No, but Angel Heart is.
3: Oh, okay.
1: Lisa Bonet is in it, too. That was like her one role after after Cosby.
0: Hmm. All right. All right. Hey, Uh, announcements?
3: Announcement. All right. We've got lots of stuff coming up for October. We'll start off with uh, the Boulder Atheists doing the History of Marriage in their Atheist Classroom on Wednesday, October 3rd. On Saturday the 6th, it's not not actually a co-core event, but they are getting people to go to the We Are Women March. I went last year. It was really good. I Highly recommend people go. On Tuesday, October 9th, uh, Cafe Psy One is doing a program on Finding Sister Earth. And then I thought this was interesting I wanted to let people know about. There's a group called the Denver Ghost Hunters who are all into the paranormal and woo stuff. And they are doing a paranormal convention on Saturday, October 3rd called the Spirits of Victor. On Sunday, October 14th, there's the big Christians Unpacking Atheism event at a church uh, with Lee Strobel and William Lane Craig. Or, if that's not your thing, at the Humanists of Colorado the same evening, we're going to be talking about some of the uh, ballot initiatives that are going to be going on for Colorado, including the legalization of marijuana. And we're going to have speakers from both sides of the issues come and give a presentation and then do a Q&A. On Wednesday, October 17th, if you've got a little bit of pocket change sitting around, there's apparently going to be a fundraising reception with Richard Dawkins himself. Um, Minimum contribution is $500. I am open to people sponsoring me to go. You pay. I'll go if that's what you want to do. Just give me a call.
0: That sucks that, that, you know, that he would do that. He, he's coming to town for, for, you know, for a limited amount of time. And, and, and the I mean, 25 bucks, okay. 500 who, who Who's You know he what? Recruiting? He's not going
3: to be eating alone that night. He'll be fine. No, I know he
0: won't. That's, it's just, it's out of my I can't do it. So.
3: I can't. Uh, and hopefully there will be other Richard Dawkins events in town. Apparently he's going to be in for a few days. That's okay. the only one I've seen announced at this moment. Well, Hopefully, I hope maybe next time we'll have more stuff, although there won't be much time to tell you about it. But if you're in Colorado, he's going to be down in the spring for something or another. Be on the lookout. Doc is coming. Uh, Thursday, October 18th at the Denver Museum of Nature and Science. The Science Lounge is doing Superheroes Assemble. Uh, And the same night, the Free Thought Exchange is taking their second trip to the Arvada Church. They've invited us back to continue the conversation. The first one was really good, so I think that'll be great. Um, on a more reasonable cost thing, I wanted to let you know, Brian, I thought you might really like this. The same Denver Ghost Hunters group is doing a Ghost Hunting 101 class. Oh, wow. It's 15 bucks for adults. Um, it's open. It might be some really fun to just kind of sit in the back and either giggle or... Um, or just see where they're going with it.
0: Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, yeah I'll look into that because that would be fun. We might
3: need to put something together, so. Yeah, okay. All right. On the, um, well, Ian Mile starts about Mile High Con, mine. Summer, Once love more. Love to hear again about yep. Mile High Con.
2: Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, October 19th, 20th, 20th, and 21st is Mile High Con. I will be there. Um, they're getting the schedule out this weekend, so I'll know what panels I'm on. I do know I'm doing one panel with my son about kids who have been growing up doing the convention thing, which will be fun. I don't know what other panels I'm doing as of yet. But it's always fun. Meet the local authors. If you're into, you know, sci fi and fantasy and, you know, genre fiction in general, it's a perfect place to go.
3: All right. And then Wednesday the twenty fourth, Mikey Weinstein is gonna be speaking on religion in the military. He's an extraordinarily powerful speaker. Um it's down in Colorado Springs. But if you've never seen him speak, I would totally recommend it. I'm gonna try to get down there myself, but I don't know. Yeah, I wanna go. And there then too. finally on Saturday, November third, uh Cocor is presenting Parenting Beyond Belief, Raising Kids Without Religion. Uh which sounds like an interesting one too. And that's your announcements for today. Yeah.
0: Hey, and of course you can head on over and vote for Ian. He has a uh, published uh which uh, published story uh which I started reading. Um and uh uh, but you know Ian their their site looks like something from
2: 1995 yeah it, it's not the most updated of sites, but they are you know uh easing that, uh, basically um what the, the easing itself doesn't make them any money they they have print books they sell and that's where they make their money from so i don't think they focus too much on um Keeping their site looking the most updated.
0: Well, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna say it, that it's not an excuse in this day and age to have yeah. a, to have a website that I'll, looks like that.
2: I'll give Jay a hard time about when I see him at Mile High Con. For yeah,
0: you. because here's the thing: is that it would not take much to to make that look nicer. I mean, some some tables would make that look nicer. Some simple HTML could really help this gentleman out.
3: He probably could use a
2: volunteer or two. Yeah,
0: maybe. Okay, so I'll bring that
2: right. up with Jay when I see him at Mile High Con. He'll All be right. there. So, yeah, check out my story, vote for it, enjoy it. There's some decent fiction on there, you know, and it's free, so you don't have any excuse not to check it out.
0: All right. Okay. All right. Well, I just wanted to,
3: before we got into our main topic tonight, a friend of mine who listens to the podcast sent me this article. And uh, so I included it in the notes. It's called Why Some of Us Refuse to Face Facts. Yes, birthers, that includes you. Um, they kind of go ahead and skewer a couple of the um, the big things that no matter how much information seems to be put out there about the birth certificate, about uh, global warming or climate change, I should say. And, and they about, mentioned vaccines um, here. Right, the vaccines thing, too. Yeah, and no matter like how Tim's... much evidence people get, they just don't change their mind. And it talks about some of the psychology behind that and um, and how it it's basically the way our minds work. When we have something that we're trying to basically fit, when we find something that, that conforms to what we already believe in, it forms a very strong bond in our brain. And, uh, it's, it's really very hard to get rid of it.
2: Well, humans in general are stubborn
3: assholes. We know that. <laughs> Yeah, well, that that would have been an even shorter article.
0: Yeah, you know the the brother the birther issue is is interesting. You know, and it wouldn't be an issue at all if like we trusted our government, <laughs> because then because you know you we, we can pretty much be sure that he was vetted somewhere. But it's too yeah. easy to say, well, they had an agenda, or they you know, or this or that. But he was vetted. <laughs> yeah. It's just like. Well,
3: and like they, they said in here, you know, it's just that the people who don't like him, they want to invalidate him as as a, uh, you know, as the candidate, basically just can't, you know, they don't have any good argument for it. They don't have anything they can really hold on to. So this seems like something they can really hold on to. And, and they're just unwilling to give it up because I, it, just fits, yeah. it fits that hole so
0: well. I, I bowl with a birther. And you know I, I I love the guy. I love arguing with the guy. You know we 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 get along really good, except for we don't agree. You know, but he it's always the same arguments. Well, he did the oh he first it was um the, the it was the um, uh, the birth certificate, which I is pretty much well debunked. They still don't accept it, but let's face it. You know, the, all they can say is well it was forged. Great. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is, uh, well, he's using somebody else's social security number, which is totally bunk. You know, somebody filed, um, I forget which state it was, but they filed um, uh, a lawsuit with the state against him. You know, Well, so actually,
3: they, it's it's in here about oh, Arizona is. doing it. And if I can, oh, I'll just read a quick paragraph yeah, that I think pretty much sums up the article. Great. It says, you can look at it from the point of view of the people that first raised the question. They want something that would invalidate the candidate, said Colleen Sifford, Arthur F. Through now, professor of psychology at the University of Michigan, and one of the report's authors. So, if it were true, they say it would be so they say it would be so great because it would solve this problem for them. But it's not really true. So they keep clinging to it because they don't have an alternative that is equally damning, damning or equally would change the playing field. Nice. And she kind of goes over the same kind of stuff again for climate change, vaccines, but really anything, you know, where people really stick to a belief despite evidence, it's because it's really serving something for them.
0: Yeah. Well, they think they have evidence. I mean, they, they really have ha- have found these this minutiae that they, that they the hold on to. The problem is them.
1: that they're – evidence is as easily fabricated as his allegedly forged
0: birth certificate well and there you go that's that's part of it so it's not really evidence yeah it was, yeah <laughs> it's silly you know I just wanted to and, include
3: it in there and let yeah. our our listeners know anytime you see an article that you think touches on something we've talked about or you're interested in send it to us we'll be more than happy to include it
0: yep what is okay is this next one part of our
3: I'm not sure. I'm trying the Stonewall riots. You put
0: that in. Yep. I okay. Put that all in. right. So okay. we're going to let Mac take it away here. Um, Mac, tell okay. us. Tell us what what are we well, going to be talking
1: uh, about here? You know, first to be, first of all, Kimberly, let me ask you, what do you know about the Stonewall riots?
3: What do I know? Um, I know that they happened in 1969. They basically followed a lot of, um, back in the day, they, the police would routinely raid gay clubs and basically arrest everybody in there. And, um, it happened all the time, and it was obviously really damning to your career, your family, whatever, because everybody was so closet at that point. Well, they went into the Stonewall, which was a bar in New York, um, if you ever go to New York, you can actually still say the same place, um, I don't believe the bar is still open, they have a commemorative site or something. And, um... And one day they came in to do one of these kind of standard riots and people in the, in this bar just had enough and they fought back and it went on for days. It was huge.
1: Right. And that essentially, the anniversary of the Stonewall Riots is the is the anniversary that they started the first gay pride marches on. That's right. In yeah. Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York. Um, the Stonewall Riots, though, basically started to, to open up gay liberation and, you know, essentially started to make the uh make homosexual people start to feel a little bit prouder about standing together and not just hiding from everybody. Um you know clearly I'm not the expertess. But it does lead to it does lead to the next article here, which is that we had a lot of homosexual content starting up in films in the 1970s. And just to put out my overall thesis here, my thesis is that pop culture reflects what's going on in society, but by reflecting what's going on in society, it also changes what's going on in society, that it makes things that
0: were not acceptable suddenly much more acceptable. Okay. Well, start up with, with the first part of your case here that uh, basically that so, – so I, you, I mean I, I can definitely see where what we see on TV and in movies reflects society and in society's progress. Okay, and so I mean, he starts out here, um, and this article was a lot of fun, actually. Um, You're talking about the evolved homosexualitys evolved evolving role
1: in the 1970s film. Yeah, oh yeah, because you know we're talking about everything you ever wanted to know about sex. We're talking about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. We're talking about cruising. Um, let's see what else do they touch upon. Actually, those are the only ones that they that they mention in the article, but. It just yeah, kind like of Midnight went on Cowboy. from there. Midnight
2: Cowboy, I'm trying to think of the other ones. Because Midnight Cowboy was the interesting one, because that was X-rated just because it had homosexuality in it. Hmm. And no nudity um, or anything, and the sex was all off screen. But it got an X-rating, and it got Best Picture. It was the, only, it was the first X-rated movie, to, ever, in fact, right now, the only X-rated picture to ever get uh, um, Best Picture. But now it's been, um, I think, re-rated down to R, but... And that was, you know, that, but, that definitely showed some interesting stuff about society, the fact that that got an X-rated just for um having homosexual references in it.
0: Right. Now, originally, though, Rocky Horror Picture Show didn't do very well. No. No, it didn't do very well.
1: It's a but bad it became movie,
2: but it's supposed well, it to is, be a bad movie.
1: But it's an underground cult classic yeah. because...
2: It's eh. a brilliantly bad movie. With great music
1: in it, <laughs> yes, it is. And you know, from the very first moment that Tim Curry comes out in that bustier and stockings, he's right there in your face. The rest of the movie, yeah. But and that was not so much gay content in that case, or as it was uh, transsexual, transgendered content.
0: Yeah. Well, and yeah, and remember that. You know, I mean, <clears throat> the there's a difference between um, transsexual or, or and. Um, and uh, transvestite, because transvestites are generally straight men. Yeah, not always, right? But the, but I think it's a majority of men that dress up in women's clothing are yes. straight men.
3: Uh, I've heard I've heard I've heard. I've
0: heard. I'm sorry, what was that, Kimberly?
3: It's a, it's a really high number. Um, who right. who do it for the sexual pleasure kind of thing, as opposed to, and again, they're they're not completely separated entirely, but drag queens are usually doing it for the money or for the um, you know, for making a statement and stuff like that. It's not so much a sexual thing, but well, for straight men, the transvestite stuff is usually kind of hitting some kind of a sexual perhaps proclivity yeah. or need. Um, not not that well, it changes and, their orientation, but it it's serving that kind of thing in their heads. And
1: some of what, what I understand, we, some of what we see as transsexual or transvestite may actually people who are gender confused and are trying to act in the opposite gender to find out how it feels and find out if it's more comfortable.
2: At Walmart, I worked with a, um drag queen, and, you know, you wouldn't believe it. He, You know, when he he was in I, – I, I never saw one of his shows, but I saw some pictures of him. He looked completely different in drag. I saw some videos of him. You know, a whole different personality. Like, he was a whole different person when he was doing yeah. his show. And he was straight. He had a wife and a kid. And, you know, he got along with him just fine. But, you know, it, it was definitely a, – a, There was him, and then there was his drag queen persona. And
1: And his drag queen personas probably were different people than him.
3: Yes.
2: And he could could do
1: different things in those personas.
3: Right. Did he have a really good name? Because those are some of the best. Uh, I don't remember his drag queen name. I know he called himself
2: the shock, but um, that wasn't his drag queen name.
3: I have one friend uh, whose drag name is Euretha Burns, and another one who is Patty Cakes. And they're hysterical.
0: That's funny. Burns, so <laughs> um, Is it? It's the comedian. Is he Edward? Edward. Uh, Eddie Izzard. Eddie Izzard. There you go. Um, he is. Uh, he he identifies as straight, but dresses up in women's clothing.
3: And he's hot doing it. I mean, I personally, <laughs> I just adore Eddie Izzard. Well, I he's, think he's yeah, terrible. he's pretty awesome. But he, oh. I, I've seen him in regular clothes and in drag, and he is just somehow sexy as hell in drag. And it's not, it's not because I'm a lesbian. He's, he just carries it in a way that's it, it's just mind-boggling.
1: Well, you know, if we're talking drag queens, let's, let's mention Wong Fu. Sure. You know, we've got Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes in there, who were definitely identified as being male, male sex symbol actors, or were at that time. And we've got them in women's clothing in that movie. And they carry it off really, really well.
2: Well, then, of course, there's the crying game. Has, has everyone seen the Crying Game?
0: Yep. No, no, but I, know, I know about it. But okay. you know the secret yeah. of the Crying Game.
2: And since we hadn't seen him yet, in you know, because he ends up in the Stargate movie, and they think he's a few other things, you don't know. You know, he's not a woman, and it is. You know, he actually makes a fairly hot woman.
1: Yeah. I've seen him in Stargate. He makes a fairly hot woman there too. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the they, the actor is very. He could go either way. He's very
0: yeah. very androgynous, and he looks beautiful in either role. So well,
2: that's why he was perfect for the role in The
1: yeah. Crying
0: Game. Huh? Well, and we can't not mention um, RuPaul.
1: Yeah, I just recently watched Hairspray, which the original happened to have Divine in it as the mother of the girl. <laughs> right, and uh, the, this is the version. This is the new version where. Uh, John Travolta takes on that particular role, and uh i i, I don't I never saw the original,
0: but John Travolta kind of owns that character that in that movie okay, but to get back to the point here uh-huh. because that, that's great there, there, there's this is fairly well accepted now i mean there, there's still some people who probably have issues with it but it's accepted now
1: because it appeared then, and people became I'm not going to say
0: desensitized, but they became. They became used to it. They began, it, it. It became something familiar to see. And you think that by putting these things in movies and stuff like that is what did it? Or do you think that it was already happening so, so that I they think, could put it in movies? I think, it's a, I think it's an interchange between the two.
1: I think that something happens and pop culture reflects it. But because pop culture reflects it, more people know about it. And because more people know about it, it becomes more acceptable to the overall herd mentality of society.
2: It feeds off itself.
1: Exactly. It's the observer to use a, you know, to use a physics term. Hmm. Pop culture observes phenomena. And as it observes phenomena, it also changes those phenomena as it reflects
0: them. All right. So you, so, so it kind of gets rolling here in the 1970s. Exactly. Okay. Um, And, you know, I, I,
1: the, uh, I recently watched the movie house of numbers with Sam and in the movie house of numbers, they talk a lot about. Uh, there's a guy in there who was talking about how he visited a bathhouse over a weekend. He came away with like five different sexually transmitted diseases. So, you know, you, one could probably make a case that liberation went too far in the opposite direction, just like sexual liberation in the '60s went too far in the opposite direction, just to.
0: Well, now that's an interesting. What is too
1: far? If you're having to get penicillin for it, probably it went too far. That's my <laughs> personal.
0: That's your that's your personal line. That's, I think that's probably a personal line. For what me. if I said I didn't think it went far enough? If if you had been for it? No, no. What what if I say that I didn't think that? But uh, what, what I think? What if I can make Sexual a case? Sexual liberation in the sixties yeah.
1: or gay liberation in the
0: seventies. You don't think they went far enough? Well, I can't. Uh, maybe I can make a case for it. See, be, uh, see, one of the reasons that that people were getting these um, STDs is because we hadn't. You know, we weren't – we also weren't preaching safe sex at the same time. We should have gone even further and said, hey, get out there and do these things, but be safe while you're doing it.
1: That is a very good point. And so
0: that they could have done gone even further with their explorations. <laughs>
1: they could have. All right. So um, to move on from there. Yes. The next
0: link I've got in here is about the TV show Modern Family. Okay. Let, now, me, let me add mine in before you get there because I, it, I, I know where you're going yeah, with this. It. Was that absolutely get it? Okay, because um, so well, let me you, so um, Modern Family. You're particularly looking at um, the two the gay man raising uh, raising you've a got, you've got you've got a trial. stable,
1: happy gay couple who are you know they fight like any couple do. They they have silly arguments like any couple do. They're a normal couple. Okay, so- and they're on ABC Family TV. Well, not ABC Family, but ABC Straight TV. Right there in front of. Millions of viewers, and I'm pretty sure that not every one of those viewers
0: happen to be homosexuals. So right. we've got a lot of straight people watching this gay family and accepting it as normal. So there are two things that I think that, that kind of pave the way for, for, for what you're talking about, um, and, um, and one of them would be um, my two dads. Which those, those two happened to be heterosexuals, right? But there were two men. They were heterosexuals, and I believe at the end of the show, one of them went off to get together with an ex-girlfriend. And it may have even been the mother of the, the child. I don't know. I, I, no, the, she died. Oh, she died. Oh, she, that's right. Yeah. That's how they got her. Right. And they – yeah, they didn't know which was the father, right? Right. It, it, it's a it, it's a lame premise, but but the idea of two men raising a child, I think, particularly um, – that, that was 87 to, to 90 – um would not have been a mainstream idea i don't think no, and uh, it would the not other have been one a idea. right so so i think that i think that that might a uh, that might might be one that we can point to the other one is three men and a baby where these three guys end up with with a baby and i don't know which came first of those two uh, well, I don't even before either.
3: that was, uh do you guys remember Soap in the seventies? Oh, yes, really. Crystal played a gay oh, yeah. character yeah. who wound up raising a kid too.
1: Yep,
0: there you uh, go. Well, Not yeah, with but anybody though. He um, was um, just is just a gay
1: character. He was a gay character, and in the show, he ended up impregnating a lesbian character, if I recall Soap correctly. But yeah, <laughs> what a great show. <laughs> soap was awesome. Yeah. Oh man, crazy. That's uh, a good point. And I hadn't even thought of soap in
0: years. Yeah, that's, I hadn't. Yeah, see, capture. so so there's a lot of stuff that paved the way for this sitcom to do this, um, in such a way that was nonchalant.
1: Yep. Um. Either though, even though my two dads and three men and a baby, neither one of those had any any homosexual overtones among the characters. Mm-hmm. You still do have you still do have male caretakers of a baby with no woman's sight.
0: Right, exactly, yeah, and that's my point there. Um, the other one is six feet under, where I don't think that those men were raising a child, um, but they, but there's a, uh, you know, but they, but that's two thousands, so mm-hmm. not maybe not so risque. but it's uh, interesting.
3: I mean, I I like Modern Family quite a bit, but it doesn't do everything right by a long shot. Uh, The article that you put in here kind of talks about some of that controversy of um, the way they treat a lot of different subjects. And usually they do it with so much humor, I'm not even kind of thinking about the social commentary. But uh, they've got a really interesting plot going on from the end of last season and the beginning of this one where they're trying to adopt again. When the series starts, they've just done an adoption overseas, and they're trying to do a local adoption, and it it all goes south. And um, goes south of the border
1: and then goes south.
3: Well, yeah, in that particular (laughs) one.
1: Um,
3: But I found it a really, really touching episode. You know, again, as, as somebody who's had to look into, and I never did it, but looked into adoption as the only way to raise a family, um, you know, it's, it's really an extraordinarily stressful process. And I, I thought they did a, a fairly decent job of, of kind of showing the frustration involved and about, you know, how, I how the, what a it, challenge it is.
1: I thought Cam and Mitchell's reactions in there, the characters, were very, very genuinely, genuinely kind of broken. And I really like the way they did that.
3: Yeah, it's also nice to finally have you know some gay characters, and I, I believe actually only Mitchell is played by an actual gay man. I believe Cam, the guy who plays Cam, is straight. Um, but just what a relief to finally have a gay person betraying a gay character because we never get that.
1: And I don't, you know, I don't really think I think they come across as more authentically interested in the things that they're interested in rather than caricature. Mm-hmm. As much as you know, there's a lot of talk about musicals and and so on and so forth. They don't come across as caricatured. They come across as this is something that genuinely interests me. So
0: now let me ask you this though: Do you think that they actually went? They they took some steps to to um to try to um uh what do I want to say? They they took some of the stereotypes and misapplied them on purpose because you have the more effeminate one who uh, is definitely more the caregiver for the child. Uh, but yet, at the same time, he is the one that likes football and beer, and the and the more one that would be the more masculine is the one that likes his show tunes and wine. Right. It's, He's also the one who happened to grow up on a farm in Iowa, I think. Um, he grew up on a farm. Story.
3: yeah, something like that. The redhead.
0: Uh-huh. No the the stocky one is the one who grew up on a farm. Okay, the stocky one is the one that likes that likes beer and football. The other yeah. the other one is the one that 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 I'm I'm attributing that the more he's he's the he's the man of the household, right? He's the one that's working. He but yet he's the one that likes to show tunes.
1: Well, they both like show tunes. Well,
0: okay. Who doesn't like a good show tune? I mean, tunes. really? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> except for my coworker. He says it's not music. He says, I don't like this, but I'm like, I love show tunes. He says, yeah, that's not music. <laughs> so I sing to him. You know what you need to expose him to? Cannibal the music. Yeah, that is You'll so like funny. That one. Oh, that, that, well, he's probably seen that. Um Poor Sweeney Todd. <laughs> That's some show. All too. right, so we, I, I think that we've made a pretty—you've made a pretty good narrative here um, down that line. But now you want to shift gears, and you want to talk about the well, West Wing. I do want to talk well, about. Well, let's the talk West about the West, West, I West do
1: Wing. I want to shift gears.
0: So, all right. So, who here has seen the West Wing? How much? You know, basically,
1: most of the series. Who here has seen it?
0: You, you can't just raise your hands. You, you actually have to, to talk. You're gonna have to chime in on this one. Okay, I've I, seen I it. I
3: actually never. have no excuse, but I've never really watched the okay. episode. I've seen bits and pieces, but.
0: I have not seen it all the way to the end. I I got lost somewhere around season four or five. Okay. Uh, But it's one that I'm always like, I've got to go back to that. But yet it feels like there's so much there. That where do you where do you go back and restart?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, well, I just I recently had a refresher course. I watched all seven seasons with my parents.
0: Oh, uh, you're you're in, you're masochist. Uh, there's a lot
1: of characters on that show, and and it was kind of difficult for my mom to keep track of a lot of all the characters. Yeah. Not that only
0: that, on. how w- what time frame did you do this in?
1: Uh, we did this. We basically watched about two to three episodes an afternoon every Monday.
0: Yeah, that's a lot to absorb.
1: Yep. Anyway, um. Now, there's a little bit of backstory on Westwood's itself. Aaron Sorkin, the guy who created it, first did a movie called The American President. He did tons and tons and tons of research for this movie. And he didn't use it all for The American President. So he's like, well, you know, I've probably got enough here to put together a TV series. He got, uh, one of his advisors at least was D.D. Myers, who'd been press secretary during part of the Clinton administration. So he had good advisors on us, people who had been in the process and I don't I won't say that everything you see on West Wing is 100 percent accurate, but I think that watching it, the people who did watch the West Wing and, you know, it stayed on for seven years. So I'm guessing a few did. I think that the people who watched the West Wing probably pay more attention to the political process and ask more questions about the political
0: process because they watched this show that dealt with. OK, I, I would I would love to see evidence for that because my personal view is, I think more people watch The West Wing than ever pay attention to politics.
1: <laughs> yeah, you watch The West Wing and you, you got involved in politics.
0: Um, I don't think that that was evidence. the reason. Evidence? <laughs> no, no. I, I I think I think that. Are you saying I have causation without correlation? I think so. I think so. I I would like to think that you were right that that, that these people made them excited about the the process. And I would say even if they did that. I'm oh, not going to say was...
1: everybody, but I think more people who have watched the West Wing sit down and maybe ask the questions. Even if they don't act on those questions, at least they think about what they're what they're seeing when they're watching the political process. I, I would
0: like to think you're right, but I don't.
1: And I would think Sam, that – Sam made the comment about uh, the current election. Now, she doesn't talk politics, but – She's she was making the comment that the current election between Romney and Obama is playing out like reality TV, <laughs> and it kind of is.
3: It's um, kind of unreal to me. Yeah. I can't imagine how stupid that man is. Sorry.
1: <laughs> what? you talking about Romney.
3: Yeah, I'm talking about Romney.
1: I don't think he's I don't think he's completely st- stupid. I think he's only about forty-seven percent stupid. Okay, uh, while we're
0: on this, Marcus, then let's talk yeah. about rolling down windows on a plane because I think it was a joke. I just think he can't tell a joke. I, I think that was probably a joke.
2: It's hard to tell. He, doesn't, he definitely, if it's a joke, he doesn't know how to tell me. That's just, what I think. I mean, when Obama tells a joke, he has a certain thing about him, like, okay, that's a joke. When Romney, if that was a joke, he definitely doesn't know how to, say, to make it clear that was a joke. You <laughs> he may have he no comic timing. But it's beyond that. It's just uh, he's too much of a straight man. He doesn't know how to actually express
1: emotions.
0: (laughs) I I I have trouble believing that he's stupid.
1: (laughs) I think he only
0: expresses about forty-seven percent of his emotions. Uh, Yeah.
1: Where do I keep coming up with this number?
0: All right, all right. Go on Uh, before I have to start um, bitching about Ann Romney. I hate that woman. <laughs>
1: um, but, you know, I do think, though, that I, I whether I've got evidence for it or not, I think I know that for my own for my own part, watching this did make me wor- more aware and it did make me ask the questions.
0: Yeah. OK. But did did it make you go out and, and go to your caucus meetings?
1: No, no. It did not make me go out and go, go to my caucus meetings.
0: Yeah. And, and did it go out and, and, and make you want to become a become a, uh, you know, Get involved and become a uh, a precinct become a precinct member. No, but Parks no. and Rec
1: makes me want to go go and become a city councilman.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, the, the problem is is that the the actual process, <laughs> um, it, it's fun for a, a little while, and then it's just tedious. And so I I, I don't I, I have trouble with the idea that it actually inspired these people to get involved in in any way and actually pay attention. And, and The West Wing is so much more entertaining and intellectual than it seems like our actual political process is well brian don't blame me for that because i voted for bartlett
1: (laughs) (laughs) anyway the next the next point i wanted to touch upon is the fact that cell phone videos have basically led to the rise of citizen journalism, and
0: essentially everybody can be a reporter now yeah you're talking about Romney and his 47%. Um, <laughs> uh, that,
1: that is a big part of it. But I put a link in there that basically I did a YouTube search for cell phone videos, and there's how many different momentous events listed in there, as well as tedious and mundane events. But how many different momentous events that were caught on cell phone video that there was never a reporter to see?
0: Uh, the hanging of Saddam Hussein? Let's see what's on the list. That's how we got that video was off somebody's cell phone. Yep. Yeah. Uh, cell phone video offers a rare glimpse of Sri
1: Lanka's long civil war. Miami Beach Memorial Day shooting, May 30th, 2011. Cell phone video. Denver Dark Knight Rises shooting. Amateur video shows audience fleeing Aurora Theater. Frog plays cell phone video game. Now, that's quality reporting right there. Actually, that is a funny video. The funniest part is where the frog bites guys <laughs>
0: at the end. <laughs> If
1: it's the same one I'm
0: thinking. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I okay. So, but that's a technological advance, not necessarily a sociological advance. It, well, it's definitely sociolo- sociology advanced because of a techno- – because now somebody can do something like this. Technology does drive sociological advances. Absolutely. Though. And sometimes it drives
1: sociological uh, – not – sociological I'm the word I'm not looking for is retreat but sociological regression. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately because we have computers and the internet we're both more connected to other people and less connected to other people than ever.
0: Well, we're more connected with the with people who think like us. That is true. I have
1: friends among the blog sphere that I love their stuff. I have no idea where they live, but you know, I bump into people at the store and I won't talk to them.
0: So if you bump into him, you should at least say, excuse me.
1: Probably. But, you know, usually I'm pushing my cart too fast in the opposite direction to say anything. That fell flat. Totally flat. <laughs> that was, <laughs> I, I, I tell a joke like Romney, apparently. She <laughs> <laughs> should
3: have told you that. Um, I think you're more of a human being than I think Romney is.
0: Well, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted to Ron. comment
1: when you were talking about the birthers. I, 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 I live with one, although he's not a birther. He's a hatcher. He's a bird.
0: Anyway. I, I don't think that's quite the same. You <laughs> might have a different idea of, uh, of that particular issue. Yeah, his ideas about it are probably pretty,
1: pretty alien to us. Anyway, um, we talked before about science fiction sparring, uh, spurring technological advances like the communicators on Star Trek evolving into our cell phones.
0: Yeah, we got some pushback on
1: that, though, didn't we? We did get some pushback from that. In fact, we got some pushback on that from Dumbass, I believe. But, you know, I think the point is still good that sometimes when we see something in fantastic fiction, we want to know how to have something like that.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I I still think that that, that, – I mean because a lot of these people say that they were inspired by different – that they his, saw. his
1: point about the Dick Tracy Two Way at Risk radio and its relationship to the cell phone was a pretty good one. Yeah, okay,
0: but that's also fantastic fiction. Hey, don't give him too much credit. I mean, let's not let it go to his head. I mean, here's a guy who hasn't put out a podcast in like a month. Well, that's because he can't get in on the gas. <laughs> uh,
2: Actually, we were setting that up. He's supposed to be getting back.
0: To- oh yeah. Well, he he did put one out last week. Finally. But it was an old one that he finally recovered. So you know what? Once again, not too much credit for that guy. All right, Well, he can guest on my podcast anyway. <laughs> um, I also
1: wanted to I also wanted to touch upon a kind of the evolution of the police procedural and how it has changed and how it's changed the way that we view police work. At the same time, you now we touched upon this before about uh, you know how real life is not like CSI. Right. And how long the how you know, nobody drives around in big black, big black SUVs and how long DNA tests really take to come back and, you know, how very few police officers really wear sunglasses at night and take them off saying dramatic things. Yes,
0: we we, we, we covered we covered all of that. Yes. Um,
1: But I I think that the first the first example, the first example I could think of, at least of a really good police procedural that tried to show. Show a semblance of reality was probably Dragnet. You know, I have
0: not watched Dragnet.
3: I, I only I saw the movie of... that came out back in yeah that was, was, it, 87? That, was a, that was
0: that a was a comedy yeah yeah, they, yeah that but, was a but, comedy but that's the only thing
3: I've ever watched I never saw the
1: I will say about the movie in eighty seven Dan Aykroyd was spot on for Jack webb he he did Jack webb better than Jack webb did himself, um but. You know, Dragnet, first of all, all the cases on Dragnet were supposed to have been taken from real life. It
2: yeah, was well, no, what it was was if you had a case you thought would make a good show, you actually wore, um, turned it in right. and um, got some compensation they
1: chose you. And um, the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Right. There's another one I actually need to throw in here, but we'll talk about that when uh, you know it comes up on the timeline. The next one that I want to put in here, you know, Dragnet though, you had these guys going from place to place, interviewing witnesses, and the witnesses at all would always be the the classic line on there is just the facts, ma'am, because the witnesses would be giving them all kinds of hyperboles they're trying to as they're trying to get these details out of them. So but you know, you're going from place to place, you're interviewing people, and 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 working at it and 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 just 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 working and working at it until you finally find the right person on this show on DragNet. Um, the next one I put on the list was Barney Miller. Ian, I know you've watched some Barney Miller.
2: Uh, not really. I, I'm familiar uh, with. Right? I've seen some. And... I've caught some, but I know that the guy who played Fish, who originally was in um, Godfather, one of the reasons he really liked that role is after having been in the first Godfather movie, he was getting pulled over all the time by police. And then after (laughs) he did Barney Miller, suddenly he wasn't getting pulled over.
1: (laughs) Uh, Actually, that, that, that tends to go toward my point about pop culture affecting reality, too. Because if you see him as a guy in The Godfather, you pull him over. If you see him as a detective on Fish, you give him a pass. Or a detective on Barney Miller. Um, right. There's a quote in the Wikipedia bar- article about Barney Miller, though. Um, they asked Dennis Farina. Let me see who actually did it, did it, ask the question. Let's see. John Favreau's independent film channel talk show, Dinner for Five. Dennis Farina, who used to be a Chicago police officer, he asked him what he thought was the most realistic police show. And he said that Barney Miller was it hands down. Really? Yeah. You know what they did on Barney Miller? They sat around the squad room a lot. They drank a lot of coffee. They pulled in the same perps for disorderly behavior multiple times. And they did lots and lots of paperwork.
2: Yeah, it seems like what I remember from it. (laughs) So what I caught, I don't remember them ever leaving the um, office. So it seemed like everything took place.
1: Yeah. And they did occasionally have some really tense moments in the office. They had hostage situations and things like that, but pretty much everything took place in two locations, which is in the precinct and in Barney Miller's apartment, and there wasn't a whole lot of Barney Miller's apartment.
0: Hmm, all right.
1: I just find it amusing, though, that an actual actual police officer would say that that was the most realistic police show, and I think it's because all they did all the time was paper and drink really, really crappy coffee. (laughs) Okay. The next one I threw on my list was Hill Street Blues, and Hill Street Blues, you had some really, really gritty stuff that happened. Bad things would happen to the characters, and sometimes you didn't get any satisfaction with The bad things that happened to the characters. You had two officers wounded at the end of one season, and at the beginning of the next season, if I recall correctly, they were back and working, but nobody had any idea who had shot them. There was never any satisfaction on that. I don't think it was ever solved. It just happened, and these guys had to get on with their lives after that. I think it was Hill and Renko got shot.
0: Did they reference
1: back to it at all or? Well, yeah, they they, they have characters were affected by it. Okay. So I don't think they did anything so far as, so far as like sending them into, uh, into career counseling based upon this or anything like that. But, you know, they did show that things were affecting characters. The other things that I remember from that show is you had, you had detectives in the precinct. You had this one guy who was trying to make it big and get out of the precinct. But he always just he kept starting on these big projects that were going to make him a million bucks. And suddenly it all, it all fell down in his face. So you've got a life outside the precinct and it's probably not going real well. Um, I think that the next one I want to mention is actually the one I need to put in here. And I think it comes next on the list, which is cops.
0: You know, I know I've watched cops and. You know, and of course, we have the the song, you know, that we had, that we associate with it. What do you to do? It's right, bad boys. What are you gonna do when they come for you? And of course, the uh, the Star Wars version of that, Troops,
1: which was a great. Broad- I've, seen, I've oh. seen
2: many parodies. Yeah,
0: that Troops was so good. Is Lincoln, of
1: there, Kimberly. I'm here. Okay, yeah. you seen Cops?
3: I haven't seen Cops. I've seen Troops. Okay. Um. But, yeah. I mean, Troops. It, it's Cops was always kind of like you know, if if there was really nothing on. Um, Oh, what the hell's his name? Not Maury. Who's the one who does the really crappy talk show with people fighting all the time?
0: Oh, uh, Springer.
1: Jerry Springer.
3: Jerry Springer. Yeah. Like if you did not go and watch Jerry Springer and find your life more uplifting than the people who are on that show, then you could go to Cops and really dredge the bottom. So that's and, what I use daytime TV for. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Excellent.
3: Feeling better about myself. <laughs>
1: that's a good. That's a good use. And let's toss America's Most Wanted in there also.
3: Yeah, I mean, all I I understand your point. All of these things have really changed how we view what happens out there. You know, people people kind of have more of an uh, of an opportunity to kind of think that. The criminal behavior is more in one way understandable, although, you know, it is so fictionalized at the same time, even the reality is that they don't have a real idea, but they think they do. And I I do think that that emerges in other places in society as well.
1: Well, let's talk about the two Cadillacs, Law and Order and CSI. Law and Order is groundbreaking because it's the first show that really touched upon the prosecution process, too. And... You know, I, I was talking with Sam about this and sometimes on law and order, they've got somebody dead to rights and they can't, and they take him to the district attorney and the district attorney can't prosecute it or they prosecute it and it doesn't go the DA's way and the guy gets off. So not everything has a happy ending on law and order. CSI, CSI makes us, makes us look at how the police look at evidence, even though it's fictionalized, but it makes us think about how the police look at evidence probably made some smarter criminals.
0: You know the one thing about CSI is that they do have um you know the lady who's did she start it is she the writer that that was a um, was trained in forensics so they actually you know they actually took some effort um or put some effort into being correct when they can and and, yeah. and and I think that that has inspired other shows to do the same thing. I guess I don't know that for sure, but it it does seem that way to me.
1: I, I'm inclined to think so. But, you know, hey,
0: my topic. Uh, exactly, right? It, it's your bias. <laughs> it, right. it is
3: one of those pain in the ass things I find as a mediator now in courts and stuff. I mean, people really do think when they go into small claims court that they're going into – Like, you know, these police procedurals and stuff like that. And you've got to see some of the crap these people bring as evidence and, and what they really think is going to happen, which is completely unlike the way the judicial system actually works. And, you know, I've had to say to people, I've used the expression, look, this is not court the way you see it on TV. And a lot of people, I think, really have a problem uh, noting that, like, I mean, just just absorbing it because they've seen so much of it. They really think they've got a really good understanding of it. So it's kind of funny in a way.
1: Since we're talking small claims court, let's talk about Wapner. Let's talk about Judge Judy, Yeah, the people's court. People's Court was kind of bro- groundbreaking for its time too.
3: Yeah, I found out that that um, where I do a lot of my mediation, they actually do send some of their cases, if the people are willing, to apparently uh, is it Judge Judy or the People's Court, or it might be both. Uh, I they're both still
1: on. They are both still on. Yeah. Um, I kind of like Judge Judy a little bit better because she's feisty. Mm-hmm. She's very feisty.
3: But they're they're sending real cases to yeah. to the shows, so.
1: Well oh, yeah, yeah, the shows are always real cases. And Yeah, I guess so. I just didn't they,
3: I thought that people signed up for them like for their 5 minutes of fame, but they're just they've just filed them with the court the way you're supposed to and I guess somehow some of them get picked. I don't understand the whole process. I have to check back too, because I don't know that I'm 100% sure I believe what someone told me, but they said it in all seriousness.
1: <laughs> I would actually like to go back and touch on the police procedural thing on another a full podcast, except I think we need a, a police officer guest.
0: So, I think we can do that. I, I think that that is manageable, actually. So yeah. so let me ask you guys, when you think
1: of scientists, what's the first word that comes to your mind when you think of scientists? Educated. Smart. Okay. Ian? Oh. I know
2: where he's going with this, and I actually, um, at one point, for my own um, reasons, was trying to write a, my, an article on the exact same idea he's about to go to.
0: Well, yeah. excellent, but you're kind of ruining the flow here. What's the yeah, first yeah, thing that yeah. came to your mind? Oh, no mind to come to, so let's move on.
2: No, I, I actually, <laughs> um, because of, I, I knew that what he was saying, sexy was what was popping my head. Uh,
1: you know, I think the the Big Bang Theory has made scientists a little sexy. I think the Big Bang Theory has also made scientists cute. And probably, even though the characters on the show are socially awkward, it makes scientists seem a little more human.
2: Well, geekiness in general is becoming sexy. I mean, yes, you look is. at what's out there. You have the um, well, the Team Unicorn, um, who one of the members is married to Seth Green um who else do you have the, the, but there's a whole lot of geekiness becoming sexy right now. so big big cosplay
1: is big and cosplay is
0: geekiness
2: yeah oh yeah
0: of course cosplay has a light side and a dark side okay what the is cosplay is because I, wait girls. hold the, on the explain cosplay is... to me first because i'm not I, I keep hearing this and i and i have not that what it is
1: cosplay is well ian
2: basically costume you know it, it's a, a what, bit more extreme cosplay, you know. A uh, level up of just going out and buying whatever's on the shelf. This is you know, really getting into. You don't even have to be characters. Uh, you know, a recognizable character to say you cosplay. You just have to make a costume, base. It's Really crowded.
1: Okay. If you spend a year building yourself a fully transforming Starscream costume and <laughs> take it to a convention and wear it one day, you were a cosplayer.
0: Okay. So it's not just for the bedroom anymore. No.
1: In <laughs> fact, that could be that could be a, a slogan.
0: What's that?
3: That's a, that's a totally different podcast. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. That's, right. that's my weekend Bye. job.
1: Yeah, so you've got the light side and dark side of cosplay, which is the light side is the sexy girls doing it, and dark side is the huge sweaty nerds do it. But cosplay is definitely becoming a much bigger thing. You can find an awful lot of, you know, you put in a cosplay search on Google, you'll find tons of stuff. I also mentioned the show Numbers in here. Uh, Numbers basically featured a mathematician who aided his brother, the FBI agent, in solving cases by using mathematical
0: theory. Okay. Now, this is all you, – you've done a good job at, at showing us some very positive ways that this can um, – that, you know, that, that these can play off each other and this kind of snowball effect um, that makes people more aware of them and maybe makes them more acceptable. Where has this done damage? Well, Kimberly's
1: uh, article about birthers at the very beginning touches upon this too, even though even though she didn't initially think that it was, a, it was part of the podcast. It touches upon this because the birthers thing, that's pop culture. And that is a pop culture negative effect right there. You've got people who take some dumb idea into their mind and make it into a belief system.
2: Well, in in our past um, podcast, we talked about um, DNA evidence and stuff like that and how it's not as easy in real life as off the shows make it.
1: Right. Uh, DNA results take months, you know, not five minutes. Right. By the way, another entry into the sexy scientist thing abby on ncis refute me if you can brian
0: um i can't
3: <laughs> i've been watching the uh the british sherlock which is an absolutely amazing yeah, series. there was a character on there who um who talked about how you know the the scientist the intellectual was the new sexy and and yep. did a very good job of being very convincing about it
0: sure the geeks are taking over. We really are. Well, it's not – oh, but here – yeah, exactly. Geek chic, right? It's yeah. not – it doesn't have the stigma attached to it. No, you know. It but many of us were geeks in high school, and it did have that stigma. Now, it wasn't so bad at my high school, I, I have to admit. Um, but I know other people who, who probably suffered much more than I did. But I was part of that geeky crowd. I ran with a crowd of D&D players. Yeah, as did I. And you know, computer nerds and programmers. Yep. All That's right. An interesting crowd. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, the whole subject is interesting, and I think though, I I I like to do the opposite show. I would like to. I'd like to. I, I think that we should look at where this stuff had, where has gone wrong, where it's made things worse. Because I, I think, think that'd that make I, an interesting I, show. I, I think we're only very, touching the surface here because the, the the things you've given here are very positive, but I suspect. That there might even be more negative things that we that we get from them um, from this kind of social socializa- socialization, right? All right? Okay, not socialism so, necessarily. So it's not going to be the next show, but we could definitely do that a little ways down the line. Yeah, the next show is going to be our our paranormal TV show show. Yep, and uh, we're and we're welcoming back our guest, Lisa um, Cordova, and so yeah, so we'll be doing that. So. Uh, Another way that pop culture has affected the uh, state of the yep. world. And that could
1: be considered a, a positive or a negative.
2: I, I have some negative with it. That's one reason why I think I'll make a good podcast. Yeah, I think
1: it, I think yeah. it will too. And but I, on the other hand, Jason Cordoba would think that
0: – it's got positives where you um, think it has negatives. I don't effect. know that he does. That that'll be an interesting situation, yeah. does he? <laughs> it will be interesting. Yeah. It will be interesting to see. Um, so we'll see. So that'll be fun. The other thing that uh if we're done, uh I, I have one more thing that I want to mention.
2: Well I just added here at the bottom. Oh, did you know, add something? Yeah, I just found out it is banned book. Oh. Thirtieth anniversary of it. So I encourage everyone to go out, look you know, find some banned books, some um something to celebrate banned book week. But, you know, it's definitely been you know, I, I brought up the the um, whole issue before, so you know, see see what you can do, you know, to promote literature and promote freedom of speech.
0: All right, very good. Okay.
2: All, right. All right, What were you gonna mention, Brian?
0: Oh uh, yeah, I, I want to mention, you know, um, if anybody listens to Dumbass's podcast, the uh, Dumbass Guide Knowledge and stuff, and uh, the Invisible Skymasters podcast, one of the things that he's always talking about is is helping to give other people a voice. And so, it, so he he's if anybody wants to do a podcast and you're not sure exactly how to do it, contact him. He he's building his you know his media empire. He doesn't care if if he agrees with you or not. He just wants to help give. Uh, Particularly, I think it mainly skeptics, right? But but he doesn't have to agree with you. He's trying to help people and give them a voice. So check out, go check out. Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, um what the DumbassesGuidedKnowledge dot com. Anyway, we'll we'll try and put something in the show notes too. But if you're interested. Um, he wants to help give people a voice. and I think this is a great idea. I totally disagree with people who are like you've got to have a niche. No, you've got to start somewhere. So if you if you think that you, you want you have a voice and yet you want to you know and that you want to try a podcast, um, there's a good place to help. He'll help you get he'll, he'll help you get started. So um, we'll make sure we get something in the show notes. But I think that, that what I, I really like what he's doing and I want to support it because um, even though we're not a member of his multimedia empire, he's a friend of ours. Yes. And no matter what, if
1: you've got something to say, put your voice out there because everything you've got to say is valuable. Everything anybody's got to say is going to be valuable. Um, Do a podcast. It's not that hard. Write a blog entry. Post on a forum.
0: Anything. Get your words out there. So, yep. All right. Is there anything else?
3: That's it.
1: All
0: right. Well, say good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. night. Mac, whatever happened to... That's another one in the can. Um, I'm just uh, I'm, they can they can all the directions. You said good
1: night and said to say good night everybody.
0: I know, but here's That's thing, another one that in the can. You you used to say that and, and you you dropped it. Yeah, I don't really know why. All right. It's another one in the can. Good night everybody.
3: All right. See you guys later.
0: Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to
1: amateurskeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website.
0: You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to MySpace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons No Derivatives 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast.
1: Amateur Skeptics website, Facebook, and Podcast Album Art is provided by and copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture. Larger prints or custom pieces are available upon request.